Um, so we're learning the Mimer Vayomer Hashem El Moshe Vial Aaron Kachas Matcha. And so far we learned kind of the Pshat verse and we asked the simple sort of questions that we ask on it. These questions that we brought up, for example, why, why did the miracle look the way that it did? Why was this the opening miracle and sign before all of the ten makas? These are questions that have been asked many, many times before. The altar was not asking anything original. The reason he's asking them is because we're trying to understand the answers according to Hasidus. And again, as is typical, it, we can't just jump straight to the answer because we wouldn't understand what it meant. First, we need a preface with certain concepts understand what they are, and then we're going to see how these questions are answered by the Alter Rebbe according to Hasidus. So we started off with the beginning of the answer by saying that uh, the Gemara teaches us that the Jews emptied out the entire land of, of Egypt, of all of its riches, and Kabbalah teaches us that that actually refers to them emptying out all of the godly sparks that existed in Egypt, taking them out with them when they left. And so now we're going to be discussing a little bit about these sparks. What do we mean when we say godly sparks that were found in Egypt? What are we talking about? So we need a little bit of an introduction to the world of Tohu. Those, again, who have been here, we have learned it, but it's always good to have a bit of a review. We're not going to do it at length, um, just a bit of an introduction because it comes up now. And again, to just give a bit of a broader perspective, if you see that the term here, it's called transforming clipper by revealing its source. That's like the name that was given by the Chabad rabbi who makes these awesome copies um, for this mimer. We're going to try and understand what is klipa, what was the klipa, what was the, what was the shell and the covering over and the evil even, even though klipa is an evil, of Egypt and how, how did we break it. So in order to understand what klipa is, we need to understand this concept called the world of Tohu. So we, Kabbalah teaches us that before this world as we know it, including the spiritual worlds as we know it, there was another world that existed before this world, and it's called the world of Tohu. Um, tohu means chaos. Um, it was, we call it the world of chaos. It existed, it existed on a very, very spiritual level before the concept of time, okay? So it's, there's opinions that say it lasted for 7,000 years, but there wasn't actually the concept of time. It was, it was kind of a moment. Um, the world as we know, when we speak about the Sephiris, um, a sephira we call a light. The philosophers called sephiras the tools that God uses to create and run the world. A tool is something that you create. You create the tool in order to create the house that you want to build, right? So the tool is a creation. The philosophers see the sephiras as creations that God made in order to run and build the world. The Kabbalists don't see the sephiras as creations, rather as what we would call emanations, that they come, that they're expressions of God himself that are able to help to run the world. And the example that's brought for this is the way that the rays of the sun come out of the sun and allow and help the sun to spread its light and to spread its warmth. So that's how we see the sephiris. And the sephiris, there are 10 of them, and they are organized, as you can see over here, with Chachma being at the top, Malchus being at the bottom, as we've discussed. When it came to the world of Tohu, which is the world that was created before this world, which we call the world of rectification, the world of Tikkun, the Sephiris didn't exist in any sort of hierarchy, okay? There wasn't a hierarchy of Sephiris, and there also wasn't an integration of Sephiris. As you can see, every Sephira is connected to every other Sephira, right? You see that all of these, um, actually, these black lines are not exactly the reference, but... When we learn about Sphera to Omer, we know that every Sphera is included within every other Sphera. They're, they're integrated one within the other. When God first created 
the world with his sephiris, the world of Tohu, the lights of the world of Tohu, the expressions and emanations of God, were very, 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 very powerful. And the vessel, which is able, supposed to receive it and give it a certain stamp, this light is the light of Chesed, this light is the light of Gevura, the vessels were not strong enough to contain the light, and therefore, when the light went into the vessels to create the sephira and have the world, again, not to create the sephira, to combine together, to use, to create the world, those sephiras, they shattered. The vessels that were supposed to contain the light were not able to handle it, and the vessels broke. Okay, and again, this is all a totally spiritual situation. There weren't actually any vessels or any light even. When we think of light, we think of something more spiritual, but there wasn't even light. <clears throat> but these expressions of God that were supposed to be contained in some sort of limitation, it didn't work. And the vessels and the world broke, basically. This world was a very, very, very lofty, high level of God and expression of God. And those vessels, which had some of the sparks still kind of attached to it, fell down into this world, which was created afterwards, the world of Tikkun, the world of rectification. We learned that now the, the Sephiris, the vessels for the Sephiris were fortified. They were made much stronger. The light was weakened, was made dimmer so that they can actually join together. The vessels can contain the light, can channel the light, and they were integrated as well so they can work one with the other so they don't overpower each other. And these vessels, okay, and again, vessels are, are these very, very high levels of God that were supposed to contain the light fell down into this world. And the rule is that the, the higher something is in its source, the lower down it falls, right? That's kind of a law of nature as well. The higher something starts out, the lower down it falls. And so these vessels, which started off as the highest level of godliness that existed, fell down into the lowest place, what we call nature. Nature as we know it, which conceals the truth of God through cycles and through everything looking like it happens on its own, is created by these vessels. And these vessels are embedded and hidden within the nature as we know it. And so now we're going to speak a little bit about this. And the reason we're talking about Klippa, about Tohu here is so we can speak about Klippa. Because what we're going to try and understand in this mimer is what is Klippa? What are these shells that conceal over God? What are they really? And how do we break it? How do we reveal those hidden sparks that exist all around us? How do we reveal the truth of God in the world? Um, and we'll see then where miracles can come into that. Okay, so that was again a brief, a brief summary of the world of Tohu. Now let's see that a little bit inside. We're on page four. I hope everyone has a place in the book because again, there's no pages in the book, but we're on the right side of the beginning all the way at the bottom. The he name now. So we're going to learn a little bit about the world of Tohu. The Hine. Lahavin Inyan Hanitsotsas Shenofru. In order to understand this concept of the sparks that fell, in the breaking of the vessels, which refers to the event where the world of Tohu broke apart and fell, the Inyan Ha'alasam, and the idea of how we can then raise up and elevate these vessels that fell down, how we can elevate them back up to holiness. Ha'inyan. So the idea is like this. Kihineyadua, it is known. It's the death of the seven kings that ruled in the world of Tohu, the seven Sephiris, Chesed, Gvorat, Feres, Netzachod, Yesod, Malchus. Shenishperu, that broke Venaflu Lamata, and they fell down below, Labria, Yetzira, Asiya, to the lower worlds, the worlds that we call Tikkun, the world of rectification. 
Vavchinas haklipois, and it fell into the realm which we call klipois, shells, the sitra achra, and the other side. What we, when we say the other side, we mean anything that opposes or conceals or covers over the truth of God. Okay, so there's a whole preface here which we're not going to actually read. Okay, however, if you want to like get a little bit more of a concept of Torah, I do recommend you can read it. It's explained very well. And now we're going to bring an example for this idea. Because now, from now, we're going to be trying to understand the nature of klipa so we can then understand how we can actually break the klipa in or, or transform the klipa in order to reveal God. Bahainu. So we have an example. Kamal Derech Mashal. We have an example for this idea of these sparks falling into what we call klipa, into shells. Benishmas ha'adam with the soul of a person. Okay? Before the soul of a person entered into the body, it was completely absorbed within God's infinite light, Baruch Hu, of God. Hashem lives as I stand before Him. So before the soul comes into our body, it's in an absolute state of subjugation and of unity and of absorption within Hashem's light. There isn't a feeling of separateness. The term that we would call this is bittle. Okay, bittle means that I don't feel my own sense, I don't feel my own ego right now. It's not getting in the way of the truth, which is that I'm one with God. The opposite of bittle is yeshus. Yesh means existence, but not only existence, independent existence. Existence as it feels separate from its source. That's what we call yesh or yeshos, okay? Metzias, okay, another word, is existence. So that could be existence as it exists, as it's absorbed with God or as it's not. And a soul is an existence. It's a creation. In its source, it's not a creation. But as it comes down, a soul, each soul has individual characteristics. It's a creation. But it's not a yesh. It doesn't feel as a separate, independent existence. It feels as an existence that is absorbed with its source, with Hashem, with the light of Hashem. This is the state that every single one of our souls finds itself in before coming down into our bodies. And why is this? Vahainu, this is because, Mishum, because, She'az, that there, in the spiritual world where the soul exists, Lo davar, there wasn't anything, Hamachshich high to, to darken or master and to conceal Aleha on her, on the soul. Hagiloi elakus, the revelation of Hashem. And therefore, Haita Batela, it was nullified, Limakara, to its source, Batachlis, completely. So we've spoken about this before. We spoke about this a lot in the Sikh we just learned that our soul is unchanged and untouched by its external environment. So our soul, as it exists up above and as it exists in our body, the soul itself is the exact same soul with the same, with the same makeup, with the same motivations, with the, with the same desires. What's the difference? Up above, when the soul's above, there's nothing concealing the truth of God from the soul. There's nothing concealing the truth of the soul from itself. However, what happens when it leaves the state the Kevan and since and after Sheyar Dalamata, that this same soul descends below when it slabsha baguf and encloses itself in a physical body. 
אז היא הגוף דן הבודי המאסטר עליה קונסילס און הר להיות נדמה to be able to start to imagine ha'olam, that the world, umlaw, and all that it comes with, liyesh v'dovar nifrad, exists as an independent being, b'fnei atzmo, for itself. The soul doesn't change at all. What changes? The covering over the environment of the soul. The soul leaves an environment where it's clear, it's just pure light, and it's very obvious where, you know, it's very, very obvious where, what the truth is, and therefore the truth of the soul is able to be expressed and openly expressed. Then the soul comes into a body. The body covers over the soul. The soul still has the same makeup, the same everything, but it's not able to express itself outward in the same way because the body conceals the truth of the soul. What does the body say? The world exists on its own. The world is a yesh. The world is an independent existence. The body does not see בכינס הביטל, the constant state of total dependence של כל העולמות of all of the worlds לגבי אורן סוף ברכו to God's light. The truth, and the soul knows this truth is, that absolutely everything is constantly dependent on God. Right? We, we learned about the idea of yesh ma'ayin, that God is continuously bringing the world into being every single moment. The world is in a total state of dependence. But the body doesn't see that state of dependence. The body sees that the world is able to exist on its own. And it doesn't see this dependence on the infinite light of God, who Hamachaya, which is the life force, or Mahava, and that which gives existence, or Tam Tami, to them constantly. So this is the example. This is the example for an idea that we say, oh, there's godliness that's trapped. What do we mean there's godliness that's trapped? There's godliness that fell. What does that mean? And the idea is that the truth of God and the ultimate expression of God, which is that everything depends on God and everything is God, fell and got covered over by a different truth. And that truth says, actually, the world exists on its own. The world does not need God. And the world is separate. So this is the analogy. And we see the same idea with this concept of, Of the breaking of the vessels. What happened with the breaking of the vessels? Shenoflu hanitsoitz in the toyo, that the sparks of tohu fell. The, the emanations of light that reveal the truth of God and the truth of the word fell. And what happened when they fell? Venislapshu baklipois debria yasira asia. They got enclosed in the klipas of the, of the spiritual and physical worlds. And now we need to understand what is klipas, which we're going to explain. Does anyone know what klipa means, also in modern Hebrew? Shell. A shell. Um, and the, actually, there's a shell, like, for example, if we say a shell that's on the beach. I just learned this word this week. I don't remember because Mosia came home with a book in Hebrew. And I read her all her Hebrew books in English because I don't let Hebrew, whatever. I'm, like, very pedantic about, like, Hebrew in my house. So I was, like, translating. And then there was a word, and I didn't understand what it was, but it meant a shell, like a seashell. Totally different word. Um, but klipa, we use in modern Hebrew for peel, a peel, okay? Same idea, but actually, like, physically different. The peel of a fruit, the outside of a nut, for example. That we would call the klipa, and it's the same idea here. It's the thing that is not useful in and of itself, Its function is to cover over the, the precious thing that exists within it. Which the truth is a shell, a seashell, for example, does the same thing. It's protecting, at some point in time, it was protecting some sort of creature inside. And so the idea is that these sparks, these ultimate expressions of the truth of God that existed in the world of Tohu, fell, 
They still are the same sparks, but now they are covered over with a covering, with a shell, with a peel, which we call klipa, which denies the truth of the spark that exists within it. Shehaklipais, these klipais, machshichais, they darken, they cover over al hanitzaitzais, these sparks, umastir motam, and they conceal them mikol tzad from every angle. Sheloyar gishu, and this causes that they don't feel giloy or ein sofbaruchu, the revelation of the infinite light of Hashem, ad sheyuchlu, to the point that they're able to feel liyos yesh v'davar, that they are an independent existence and thing bifnei atzma before themselves. Okay? So, we spoke about this a lot. What's the ultimate truth of the world? That everything is God and nothing is separate from Him and the world is completely dependent upon Him. That's the truth. But the truth gets covered over and hidden with a different truth. And that truth says, actually, the world is able to exist on its own. The ultimate truth doesn't change. It just gets covered over. Just like our soul doesn't go through any sort of change. It's the same soul, but it's covered over by the body. And therefore, the expression of the soul looks very different as it's expressed with the covering of the body. Bless you. And we have an example of this idea of klipa, the idea that the truth of God has descended so low because of these concealments. Page 9, Kamamar, as it's brought in Yechezkel. Kamamar Paro, as Paro, the king of Egypt himself said, Li, Yoori, I own the river, the river is mine, I created it, the Ani, Asisini, and I made myself. This is something that Paro claimed. And then there's the, the whole story, um, I'm pretty sure Rashi brings it, that when Moshe wanted to confront Paro, he waited until he saw Paro have to go out in the morning in, in secret to go and relieve himself, which somebody who created himself and is a God shouldn't need to do. He caught him in that situation to be able to kind of um, catch him off guard, right? So the truth is obviously that this is not... But, but there was an aspect of Paro Paro that truly believed this. Rock only... The Karo lay elokad elokad. They call God the God of God. So the Egyptians and the nations did not deny the existence of God. They didn't even deny the the power, extreme power of God. But they said, "Sure, you're God. You're the ultimate God. But there are other gods. And I, for example, am a god too. Maybe you created some things, but I created myself, and I created the Nile. And this is really where this whole kind of beginning of this, I got called the showdown between Moshe and Paro happens because Paro truly believed, A, your God exists. I'm not denying your God exists, but B, but I'm a God too. And maybe even your God's more powerful, but you should know that I'm a God as well. And that, the fact that a human being who has been created by God in the image of God and is dependent at every moment on God can feel that way and speak that way and believe it totally is because of this concept called klipa that covers over the ultimate truth of the world, that covers over the truth of his soul, and that covers over the truth of God. And we're going to need to understand a little bit more about the nature of klipa. When we think of klipa, we can think, okay, so if I believe that God created me, then I'm not involved in klipa. But any, when we look around us at the physical world, nature by definition is klipa. Because we look at nature and we, it's, nature looks like it exists on its own. The sun looks like it rises by itself and sets in the evening by itself. The evenings change, there's a cycle and things just seem to happen. 
with our physical eyes, which is our body, right? Our soul, if we would look at the world, would just see this constant energy of God bringing the world into being. It's incredible. And there's a part of us that truly sees that and believes it. But it's covered over by a physical body with physical eyes that see a world that seem to really seem to exist on its own and not to have some higher force behind it, which is why the world can look the way it does, where there are probably, maybe, I don't know if it's majority of people, but maybe we could say majority of people in the Western world don't even believe in God at this point, which is something pretty new in the past couple hundred years. But we, we can look around us and, and actually meet many, many people who totally don't believe in God. How, does, how is that possible? If this is the truth, and again, the answer is Klippa, because God hid our souls and hid his truth in this thing that screams out, I exist on my own and there is nothing that has created me. So the spiritual Klippas believe that they also have independent power. It's just that Hashem is greater than them. However, the physical Klippas like Paro deny Hashem completely, which is why he claimed to have created himself. Okay, so that's an, that's a, that's an opinion because <laughs> there are opinions that, um, that, Paro said, oh, sure, like you have this God called uh, with the name of Havaya, like, great, cool, like, that's nice. <laughs> like, why should I listen to him though, right? So the Af, even though, Shekodim Ashvira, before the breaking of the vessels, Hayu Hanitzotzot, Betelim, these sparks were absorbed, Umiyuchadim, and united, Be'en Sof Baruch with God's infinite light, Mepnesha'az, because then, Hayamisgale, there was a revelation or in Sof of God's light, Bahem in them, Begiloi Vigichud Gomer, in a total revealed way. So when you take the truth and you put it in an environment of truth that doesn't cover over it, it's able to be one with that truth. But when you take the truth and you cover it over with an environment that denies the very truth, then it's not able to express itself. Avala Acharashvira, after this breaking of the vessels, a new reality was created. Sheyadu Anitsotsin, that these sparks fell, they descended, Vinislapshu, Batocha Klipas, and they became enclosed within Klipa. Sheen Malbishimotom, that they cover, they enclose it, Mastirim, and they conceal Hagiloyalakut, the revelation of God. Kemashalaguf, for example, like we brought before, the body, Shemaster which covers over Umachshech and hides Legabe Neshama, the truth of the Neshama Kanal. As we mentioned before, Lekach, and therefore, Einam Yecholim Liyot, they are not able to be, but Bitul, in the same state of subjugation, Kamosha Hayotchila, as they were before. The spark itself is the same, the soul itself is the same, the environment doesn't allow it to be in the same state of subjugation because it covers over that truth. That's why they're called klipas, okay? Because they're like a peel. That it encompasses and surrounds the fruit. Which is entered in within it. And conceals it. For example, the klipa, the covering over of a nut. The covering over of a nut is considered to be the ultimate example because it really covers it over from every side and we'll see the ultimate example of that is because we're going to start to see now what is how do we get the nut out of the shell how do we get the soul out of the body and not that the soul should god forbid leave the body but that it should be able to express itself despite the denial of the soul with the body and how do we get these sparks out of the nature of the world 
that's the next step that we're going to discuss. First, we have to say, what is klipa? Step number two is going to be, okay, how do we extract the sparks and the truth from this klipa? But I want to bring one more thing before we get to that, okay? Just this idea of klipa. We spoke about it a drop when we spoke about the impurity of the, of the hands when we wake up in the morning, right? That there, when there's holiness and then that holiness leaves, the klipa comes, right? And the idea is that klipa is a creation. God created klipa, just like God created the shell of the nut and the nut. God created this ability for certain created beings to feel their own sense of self and therefore to cover over the truth of Hashem. Their creations. But the way that God created them, we learn this, um, we learn this very much in Tanya. He created them not in the same way that he created holy things and holiness. He created them in a way what we call bechinat achoraim, in a way of like giving it in a, in a backward way. God doesn't willingly, happily enliven and create klipa, which is its ultimate purpose is to conceal the truth of God. So the way God creates them is that he gives them like this once-off burst of life, which I, I, I think I mentioned to you guys before. He creates them sort of once-off, almost like, I don't know, a mosquito. How long does a mosquito live for? Actually, mosquito, there's some sort of, there's some sort of bug that like Jesus lives a few alive. hours. Fruit flies. Actually, fruit flies, that's it. No, that was the example that I was thinking of. Thank you. No, fruit flies. Fruit flies, they like have like a few hours or something of life. Exactly, exactly. Um, no, mosquitoes, I feel there's no way that mosquitoes live that short because I feel like it's the same mosquitoes that I'm always chasing. It's like, it's for sure not done. They seem to get bigger every time. Like yeah. Maybe? Like until it gets too cold for them to die or something? Who, the mosquitoes? Yeah. yeah, they seem, in the winter, they're still harassing my kids. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not impressed with the, the mosquitoes <laughs> in Israel. I feel like they're just haughty, you know. Um, Consider says about a mosquito that's like the lowest form of creation because it takes, <laughs> it like it takes blood, for example, and it doesn't, it doesn't give any waste. It doesn't give anything back to the world. Oh, it does. Food for the birds. Mosquitoes are food for the birds? Yeah. Uh, are you sure? Like once I've heard that mosquitoes literally do nothing to society. Yeah, well, that's what Hasidah says that they that they um they take right and they don't give back because when when a bug or creation gives back, it it gives back in a way of its waste. It 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 consumes and then its waste actually adds to the ecosystem of the world. Or it's eaten by something. Right. So maybe maybe birds eat mosquitoes. Yeah. How would? Or maybe just flies. Flies, yeah, but flies also do produce waste, unfortunately. That's why they're... Some people must eat mosquitoes. Yeah? Right? Yeah, people. Um, anyway, that's a totally side thing. But fruit flies is the example that I was thinking of, that they, like, they're created and they, like, have, a, they have like, a, a little bit of life and then they just they die. Um, when I think of Klip, I think of fruit flies. Um, that God gives it like this initial burst of life and that's it. It doesn't have like a system for sustaining itself. The only way... The only way... The klipa itself. So the klipa itself, on the one hand, it exists. But what of it exists, this is very interesting, okay? What actually exists of the klipa? The illusion that the klipa is able to give you that it exists. Its ability, what what exists of the klipa? Its ability to convince you of something. (laughs) What, what, What is klipa? Okay, on the one hand, what's the, okay, so let's start with this. What's the truth? What's the truth? Everything is God. Okay, so then we say, oh, but there's this thing that exists that's called klipa. 
what is it really? First of all, everything is God. So it doesn't actually, if we're going to look at it like from, from this like very, very extreme perspective, it doesn't actually exist. But then we could say that none of us exist and we're definitely not getting there because I don't know what to say about that. Um, don't ask me questions because <laughs> please <laughs> take that from a Kaufman. <laughs> but, um, but the idea of klipa, okay, is the idea of a shell. The shell of a nut. When you open up the nut, what do you do with the shell? You throw it out. It has no functional purpose or use. Although, okay, maybe you guys can tell me about your creative, like, moms who do something with the shells of nuts. I don't know. My daughter actually came back this week with nuts, the shells of the nuts pasted on her picture. So anyway, but they have no use in and of itself. <laughs> so they don't usually have any use in and of itself. It's it. Their function is to cover over the fruit and that's it. And that's the same thing with klipa. They don't have an existence in and of itself. Their only existence is their ability to convince you that they do exist and is this illusion that they create that the world is independent and separate from the truth of God. It's power to convince you of how real it is, even though it doesn't actually exist, is its only power. But wait, the shells for the fruits and whatever, I'm just thinking like of this example, isn't it that they protect the actual, how do you say it, the actual um, fruit from like getting... Yes, absolutely. Yes, when it's growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like yeah, 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 yeah. So you're saying that there's a purpose to the to the, but but is there a purpose of the? But no, let's 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 add on to that because it's a very good question. Is the purpose of the shell anything for its own sake? You're saying it's there to protect the thing inside, right? Yeah. But what about for itself, for its own sake? Is there any advantage? Okay, now you can tell me about compost and all that. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, the clipper is there to serve the thing inside, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not that the thing inside has all these different functions and uses and life and energy that it can yeah. sustain you with. But we don't eat peels at the end of the day. We don't live off or nurtured from the peels. Right? So yes, any example that we're bringing is always going to have what we call a yotzedof and an exception, yes. right? Um, if anyone learns Hebrew, by the way, like... Hebrew, I remember learning it, there's a term called Yotze Dofen, exception, and the whole Hebrew is one big exception, like when you're, this is the rule, and you're like, oh, but what about this word, this word, oh, that's an exception. So, <laughs> when it comes to examples, there's, there's always going to be exceptions. We were talking about that with because we were saying, you know, like, we don't understand how people teach Hebrew. It's like, it's I all explain to you half the things that I could just talk. Exactly. <laughs> no, that that's it. Like, it, you can't, if you get stuck on the rules, you're going to go crazy, like, there's there, there, the whole rule is an exception to the rule when it comes to learning Hebrew. It's very frustrating. As someone who had to learn Hebrew like from scratch, not by, it's very annoying. And at the end of the day, you pick it up by just hearing people talk and it becomes a, a hair gel. Like a, I think English has, from what I understand, has more like rules and it sticks to them. Anyway, it shows about Israelis a little bit. Pardon? Halakha is like that. It's also true, yeah. Like this is black and white except for this and that, 100%. Exactly. Have this one, but you can do it for this one, but don't do it. 100%. So, when it comes to examples, let's put it that way there's always going to be the exception um, in the example. Is this, um, this is kind of reminding me of like what we were saying about new science, how like they're only existing to like kind of prove us. Like they're not actually existent, they're yes. just there. Yes. If we so, and so yes, and a soyan would be the extreme end of clipper. So there's there's levels of clipper and how much it conceals. 
The more it conceals, the truth is the more it looks like it conceals, the less it actually exists. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the extreme end of that would be the tests that we said exist only for us to be able to say, you don't actually exist. But Klippa as a whole, it's its power of persuasion. That's what it is. That's what it is. And this is very, very, very important because when we speak about, well, how do we break the Klippa? How do we confront the Klippa? How do we extract the truth from a world that screams to us, I exist on my own, you have to know what you're dealing with. If the truth was, there's God, but there are also other gods, which is what the nations claim, right? And this is what, this is what Pharaoh, Pharaoh claimed. There's God, but there's also other gods. There's God, but there's also Klippa, and Klippa is real, and maybe I should actually believe it and listen to it. Uh, we have a problem. But the truth really is, there's God, there's the truth, and there's the Klippa that has a tremendous power of persuasion. When you, if you think, okay, about... When we think of Klippa, sometimes we can think of negative things. Let's talk about anything, anything that convinces us. This is the most important thing right now. There's nothing more important than this right now, okay? And it could literally be... It could be, I need to eat right now, right? But it can also just be like, I have to watch this movie tonight. Like, there's no way. Like, everyone's going, and there's... App, like. It's this power that takes a hold of you, that convinces you there's nothing more important than this right now. The moment, as we're going to see, that you're able to say, eh, the whole thing disappears. And we've seen that before, that like this, it's a buildup that comes inside of us. So Klippa exists inside of us, okay? It's not just this outside thing. It's not just this pharaoh far away, right? It builds up in us with this absolute conviction that this is real, okay? This is real. And when we believe it, it becomes even more real. The more we believe it, the more real it becomes. Like peer <laughs> we could call yeah, it peer yeah. pressure. But there, yeah, yeah. Peer pressure. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this idea that it's convincing you that like, this is what you need right now in order to be accepted yeah, or to yeah. have the and thing that you need. Yeah, so it's, it's a very interesting thing because, again, Klippa doesn't actually exist. It's not true that there's this thing that exists independent of God. We know that that's not true. So what is true about it? It's power to convince you of just how true it is, okay? And this is an extremely important perspective to have when it comes to this because if we look at Klippa according to the way that the world looks at Klippa, right, the world says this is the only life. This is it. So grab and take what you can while you can get it. If we look at the world that way, then the, that hold on us will be extremely powerful. We're not going to be able to find the God that exists totally hidden and covered over there. It's just going to build and build and build and the darkness will just become more and more and stronger. So, however, the moment that we can identify it for the truth of what it is, you are only what we would call an illusion. What's an illusion? It's like, you don't exist, but you're convincing me that you exist. That's, I think that's what an illusion is, right? It convinces you of something that's not actually true. That's what the Klippa is. And not to downplay that, because Klippa is incredibly, incredibly talented at doing that. It's its only ability to live. Because, the, again, the only way that Klippa can live is when it sucks off of Kedusha. So if you take a Jew who was full of godliness and who was full of godly potential with all the mitzvahs he could do. And instead of doing the mitzvah, he does a sin. That's where the klippa gets its energy from, right? So the klippa on its own has, has no life and it can only live off of holiness. But the only way it could live off of holiness is by convincing you to move away from the holiness so that it could feed off of it. 
Because the moment there's a Jew doing a mitzvah, the, the klipa can't come close. But the moment there's a Jew with the potential for a mitzvah who does an avera, that potential, that holiness that existed there, gets vulnerable because there isn't the tremendous holiness that's pushing it away, and that's where the klipa comes in. So the only way that the klipa can survive is by convincing you of its truth and its and its reality and its existence. And so, step number two now of the mimer from the ain truf lahotziapri on page 10, is going to be how do we extract the godliness? How do we fight the klipa? And again, this is with, going to be within the larger context of the klipa of Mitzrayim. How do we extract the godliness that was hidden within Egypt? And the answer is going to be that the only way to do it is by breaking the klipa. It's so interesting. It's like the way that it's created is the way that you just That's so interesting that the breaking of the vessels. Yeah. I literally never thought of that before. So cool that the vessels broke, which enabled Klippa to exist, and now we have to break the Klippa in order to get back. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I literally never thought of that. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to go along now with the same example of a fruit in order to start to understand the next step of how do we extract the Jews out of Egypt, but we're going to see it's not actually just the Jews, but the sparks, and how do we extract the godliness from the Klippa. So the Ein Trufa, 10, there is no remedy, there's no cure, to extract the fruit. And again, think of a nut. Without first breaking the shell or the peel. It is not possible to get the thing that sustains you, that gives you life, the fruit, the food that exists inside, without first breaking the peel. And so too. In order to extract the sparks of holiness, Mahaklipos from the klipas hamastirim aleim, which cover up and conceal them. Hayatzarich, it was necessary lios shviras haklipos to break the klipas. And I really, this is so cool. Shviras hakelim, which goes into shviras haklipos. Um, and now tomorrow we're going to continue with the connection between miracles and breaking the klipas. That actually the miracles are that which shook Egypt out of its ruse and out of its false conviction. And it's what shakes us sometimes out of that as well. The only way to break the klipa, and this is one opinion, there's other opinions in different places of chassidus, how you work with the klipa. Sometimes you need to convince it. Sometimes you need to work with it. But in this case, the way that we, break, that we reveal the spark is by breaking the klipa. And we're going to see that the way that we do that and that God did that was through miracles specifically. So we will continue tomorrow, please God, with that, with, with seeing where the miracles fall into this, um, to this picture. Any questions or comments on what we said today? Yeah. Um, what, who conceptualized, like, Klippa? Um, the, it's Kabbalah. Um, it's all... Where is Kabbalah? Like, where does it come from? Like, who? So, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we could say, is, like, the one of the... Have you heard of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? He was a uh, ton in the time of the Romans, in around the time where they destroyed the temple. And he's the one who ran, ended up running away to a cave. He had to run away from persecution. And he, he wrote the Zohar. Have you heard of the Zohar? Like, this, when we speak about Kabbalah, the main text and work of Kabbalah would be the Zohar, which was actually only discovered a couple hundred years ago. Um, but it was written over 2,000 years ago and passed down by the elite from generation to generation. Most Jews didn't even know that it existed, this whole form of Kabbalah, until they discovered the Zohar and it started to be then, then the birth of what we call Mekubalim, 
those who dedicated their life to the study of Kabbalah and then the dissemination and the teaching of Kabbalah came about a couple hundred years ago. Mm. Um, and so this, these concepts of Klippa and what we call Sitra Akhra and understanding, um, understanding these negative forces and energies and what they are and what their levels are would be sourced in Kabbalah and then Hasidus kind of sources from Kabbalah opens it up. Any concept in Kabbalah is sourced in the written Torah, however. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as, oh, Kabbalah says it, but without it having a source yeah. in the written Torah, right? So the source for Klippa we have all over the Torah, depending on what context we're talking about. Um, but when we speak about the fact that when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the beginning of Klippa, the knowledge of good and evil, that there is actually not everything is just good and pure, he realized that he was naked. And then God put clothing on him. And there's opinions that the clothing was made out of nails, which is the, the representation of clip, the most dead part of the person, or of leaves. And that's the idea that like, he was covered over physically. God gave him a covering because now this existence of clipper entered into the world. The idea of, of Parol claiming that he created the Nile is another. We have clipper is sourced in all different parts of Torah. But the concept as it exists on its own in its pure form of Klippa was explained to us by Kabbalah and now expounded upon by, by Hasidus, if that makes sense. Okay, I'll see you all. Have a great day.